The word great is a great word. It's used to magnify or exalt an idea, isn't it? To say this is preeminent, preeminent, this is penultimate. We have the great commandment, the great commission, the great call. At the end of our Eucharistic prayer, if you were to open our prayer book, which we don't usually have in here, but if you had a book of common prayer and were to look at the end of the what's called the Great Thanksgiving. It's the Eucharistic prayer to consecrate the elements of bread and wine. And you would see at the end of that prayer is what is called the Great Amen. It's the only Amen in the entire prayer book that is in all caps. After every consecration prayer, write one or write two, doesn't, but after every consecration prayer, you get the Great Amen. Big Amen following the great thanksgiving, giving great thanks for Christ offering himself for us. You see how important this word great is? And I want to offer you a thought this morning. Uh, it's my opinion. It's not based up, backed up with research or certain knowledge, but it was simply my spiritual experience that in the midst of all the therefores of the Bible, and there are hundreds of therefores because they are bringing something to a conclusion and Paul himself loves to use the word therefore as well. In fact, just in the book of Romans, he uses the word therefore 20 times. But I submit to you this morning that the one therefore that could be all caps is the one we heard today at the beginning of the reading from the 12th chapter of Romans. Therefore, he says. And the reason it is such a great therefore the reason it merits being all caps is not because you simply look back a few verses and say, well, there must be something just prior to this that uh, is really important that justifies the therefore. It seems to me what Paul is saying, what I have written, and this is Paul's, this is his Mount Everest of thought, the whole book of Romans. It's this extraordinary treatise on life in Christ. And at the end of the 12th chapter, his therefore is the culmination and the summation of uh, what he has been articulating and offering for all those verses and chapters prior to chapter 12. Now, I'm going to do this very quickly, but I'm going to try to just do us a summation of chapter 1 to chapter 12 and put it on the screen so you can kind of follow. These are some of the gold nuggets that might give evidence of why Paul would say at the beginning of 12, therefore, and what is our response to that? Romans 1, I am not ashamed of the gospel, he writes. It is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Hallelujah, for the Jew and for the Gentile. Further in Romans 1, for the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Romans 3, but now a righteousness from God apart from law. No more oughts and shoulds of our lives to be saved. Apart from law has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus, Messiah, to all who believe. Romans 4, therefore, the promise comes by faith so that it may be be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, the Jews, 
but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, all Gentiles who are of the faith, in other words. He is the Father of us all. Romans 5, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace, peace, the peace of God which passes all understanding, the peace that the Lord alone can give, Jesus says. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Romans 6, just as Christ was raised from the dead to the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we have been united with Him like this in His death, we will certainly also be united with Him in His resurrection. Romans 8, therefore, there is now no condemnation. Oh, those are precious words for every sinner. Everyone who knows they are a sinner, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. If Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. The sinful nature has been exposed and put to death is being put to death, he means. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed. How? The preposition. The glory that will be revealed in us, not to us. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose, For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of His Son, becoming Christ-like in our own lives. And those He predestined, He called. Those He called, He also justified, made right with God. And those He justified, He also glorified. What shall we say then in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son... But gave him up for us all. Now, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, any powers of sickness or disease, we might say, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 10, Christ is the end of the law. There there may be a righteousness for everyone who believes. The word is near you, we have heard a few weeks back. It's in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith we are proclaiming. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. Romans 11. And so all Israel will be saved as it is written. The Deliverer will come from Zion. He will turn godlessness away from Jacob. And this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. In Romans 11, just before the 12th chapter, 
What else could you do if you were writing this letter? And that is just a summation of some of the parts of this letter. Here he comes towards the end of the 11th chapter, and he simply is lost in wonder, love, and praise. He's reduced to a praise song, to worship. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. So be it, Paul writes. The next word of the next chapter of the first verse. In light of all this that we've just heard again, therefore, he writes in another letter, 2 Corinthians, therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Christians are bold in their living and in their witness, bold in their love and in their forgiving, bold in their gentleness and in their compassion, bold in seeking all things that are of the Lord. Therefore, Paul writes, I urge you, very, very dynamic, dramatic Greek word there behind that word urge, uh, that is a word of exhortation, it's a it's a word, it's a word with energy and power in it. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. And we've heard about living stones. We're part of that house being built up. We are the living stones. We've heard about living waters, the freshness of living waters of the Spirit. Paul writes of a living hope in Jesus. He speaks of the Word of God in Hebrews uh, as uh, God's Word living and active. And here we are exhorted again ourselves to be not dead sacrifices or not to be put to death sacrifices, living out your life as sacrifices of praise and thanksgiving to the ever-living God in view of his mercy for us. Thomas Merton says about this sort of living, he says, to be grateful is to recognize the love of God in everything he has given us. And he has given us everything. Every breath we draw is a gift of his love, Thomas Merton. And so out of that discovery, and it is a discovery, it is a scales falling from the eyes at some point in a person's life. We aren't born with this uh, certainty, this boldness, this clarity about who God is. But out of that discovery that all Paul has written is true about the Savior of the world and the Lord of our lives, he then provides instructions and says, don't be conformed any longer to this world. Don't conform to the oughts and shoulds and earning it the old-fashioned way. 
but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That is an ongoing process of being transformed because we serve a different Lord from the lords of the world. Not the Lord of money or the Lord of success or the Lord of titles and degrees. We serve the Lord of life and that is extraordinarily beneficial for us. And so we'll hear this morning, we've heard, and we will hear next week as Paul continues in this 12th chapter, he will provide a description of what the Christian who has had a God encounter with the living Lord, how his changed life looks like and appears. And he'll go from that horizontal description of what Christ has done for us and set your heart on fire to the horizontal implications of this then. This then is how you are to treat others. It's why we live under that, that great, if you will, great motto, impacting the world in Jesus' name, because Christ, God through Christ, has impacted our lives in such a way he's given us hearts of love to impact others. And so the witness necessarily comes in the testimony. I read of this gentleman, uh, an early, early Christian martyr, an ancient man in his 86, I uh, lived to be 86, and uh, he's one of the uh, few early authentic accounts we have of a martyr from the second century. And so he's in our book of, of, of uh, celebrating saints of the life of the church. His name is Polycarp. It probably occurred in, in the year 156. The account tells of Polycarp's courageous witness in the amphitheater at Smyrna, when the proconsul asked him to curse Christ, Polycarp said, 86 years I have served him, and he never did me any wrong. How can I blaspheme my king who saved me? The account reports that the magistrate was reluctant to kill the gentle and harmless old man, but his hand was forced by the mob who clamored that he be thrown to wild beasts as was the fate of other Christians on that dreadful day. Polycarp was burned at the stake. Before his ordeal, he is reported to have looked up to heaven and to have prayed, Lord God Almighty, Father of your beloved and blessed child, Jesus Christ, through whom we have received knowledge of you, God of angels and hosts and all creation, and of the whole race of the upright who live in your presence, I bless you that you have thought me worthy of this day and hour to be numbered among the martyrs and share in the cup of Christ for resurrection to eternal life for soul and body in the incorruptibility of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, since we have such a hope laid out in those 11th chapters of Romans, we are very bold, Polycarp gives witness to. May he be a witness to us as well. And for our own lives, remember, we are now the members of the body of Christ, and we are all of him that remains here on earth in the flesh, and these gifts of prophesying and serving and teaching and encouraging and contributing and showing mercy and leadership are to be for his praise and glory.
for the well-being and benefit of others in love and charity. As I said, more will come next week. Paul just keeps on. Love must be sincere. He says, be devoted to one another. He says, honor one another above yourselves. Keep your spiritual fervor. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality and bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Paul's great, therefore, all caps in bold print at the end of chapter 12. Prior to that, therefore, is this extraordinary excursus of what God has done for you and for me by individual name. And following that, therefore, following through in chapter 12, for those who say, Lord, you rescued me. I feel what Polycarp feels, just so grateful, so thankful you have saved me. Lord, I gladly confess with my lips that you are Lord. I believe, Lord, that you were raised from the dead, that you suffer on the cross for my sins and for my salvation. And Lord, I want to follow you. Tell me what to do. I want to follow you. Read chapter 12 regularly, and he'll tell you the how of being a follower of Christ. Thanks be to God. Amen.